Amen. And all of God's people said, praise the Lord. You know, this uh, pandemic, this crisis, we have seen human nature at its best. We've seen people giving of themselves, sharing, sacrificing. But we also have seen human nature at its worst. Uh, We've seen pictures of people fighting over toilet papers and some other goods and food items. We have seen obscene stockpiling out of fear and anxiety. We've seen irrational hoarding. Uh, in the land of plenty. And that is why Matthew 6, 25 to 36, Jesus is speaking to His own. Remember this, He's speaking to His own. And He was saying, there is no need for you to be anxious and worried like those who don't know Me. Now, whether rich or poor or everyone in between, our attitude toward material possessions is the clearest indication of our spiritual temperature. Did you get that? Our attitude to possessions is our clearest indication to our spiritual temperature. Our greatest distinction between those who know and love Jesus and those who don't, uh, is the level of anxiety that we have, the level of worry that we have about life. Of course, I'm talking about those who know and love Jesus. I'm not talking about those who try to uh, express some sort of bravado attitude and I'm not worried. I am this and I'm this. This mostly I found when that happens, it's a smokescreen. But when those who love Jesus become anxious and worried, and we all do at some point, I can tell you when. I'll give you the timing on when that takes place. It is because we have had a temporary amnesia as to who our Heavenly Father is. It is because for that moment we have forgotten who is our Heavenly Father. Uh, There are the moments when we forget the privileges that we have as children of the King of the universe. The very heart of Jesus' message here in this passage in Matthew 6, He said, don't worry about the necessities of life. In fact, in those few verses that Jonathan read to us, in those just few verses, there are three times, three times where our Lord Jesus gives us a command Did you hear that? It's a command. Don't miss it. (laughs) These three times were not suggestions. They are not recommendations. They are not nice things to do. 
their commands. For, some of you already forgotten your, your grammar being away from school for so long. This is what you call in the grammar, in the imperative mood. This command is found in verse 25, 31, and 34. It's a command of Matthew 6. Here's really the strong message that Jesus is conveying. I'm going to show you four things. I'm not going to expound on them, but I'm going to come back and show them to you in in the biblical context. First of all, he's saying worrying is wrong (laughs) because it indicates distrust in the nature of God. He is saying that worry is totally unnecessary because of who your heavenly Father is. And thirdly, he's saying worry for the believer I'm talking about. I'm talking to believers now. Worry for the believer does not make sense. Why? Because it is inconsistent with faith. And fourthly, finally, he says worrying is very unwise (laughs) because of our certain future, our known future. You know, you've heard me say this probably before. Worry is like a rocking chair. You know, you see people sitting in the rocking chair on the porch, rocking, rocking, rocking. That's what worry is like. You're rocking. It gives you something to do. It takes you nowhere. But today I want to focus specifically on verse 27. I'm going to come to the rest of it, but verse 27. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single day to your lifespan. Now, some translations said an hour. It doesn't matter. Any period of, of time. Now, beloved, listen to me. This admonition of Jesus is the exact opposite of what our culture is force-feeding us. Now, members of this church, and I know, of course, because we watch about tens of thousands of people around the world, but members of this church know uh, that I have been regular uh, in exercising physically. I work out on a regular basis. For the last 10 years, I have been working out with a great trainer. And I do everything. I mean, everything he tells me, I do. Even sometimes when he challenges beyond what considered be my ability, I do it. <laughs> Now, some of the folks in the gym who are watching me doing this and working so hard, working out so hard, they would ask me the question, what, do you want to live to be 100? And I immediately responded. I said, no. The physical workout does not add one day to my life. Oh, you should see the puzzlement on their faces. Because they fed this stuff from the media that says that if you take care of yourself, you live long. (laughs) Now, I'm going to explain this actually in a minute. But why Christians worry so much? Why Christians get anxious about the issues of life and death? Listen to what Jesus said again. Verse 27, which of you, or who of you, by being anxious, can add a single day to your lifespan? Now, there are some people who really think that if you physically exercise and you work out, you take vitamins and supplements, and that 
you balance nutritional food and do countless other things, they really think that this is going to add to their life. Right? You hear it all the time. Wrong. <coughs> the reason I personally do all these things, and by the way, if you don't, I don't care how old you are or how young you are, you should start. Can I get an amen for those who are here? You should, because this is a stewardship. Now, I know biblically, I know theologically, that none of these things is going to add a single day to my life. None of these things is going to give me a minute longer than the day appointed in heaven for me to die. None of these things is going to affect the length of my life or the length of my days on the earth. Eating healthy, pumping iron, taking vitamins, no doubt will improve the quality of life. It will. It, it will improve the productivities, mental product, productivities. I proved this. You say, well, how do you prove that? Well, I can tell you right now, as many of my friends know, I have far more energy, and I'm in far better shape in my 70s than I was in my 50s. But these things will not force God into extending our lifespan. They will never persuade God to modify my departure date. <laughs> None of these will, will ever coerce God into changing the date of my earthly death, which reminds me actually of a doctor who one time said to his patient after he examined him, he said, you know what, you're going to live to be at least 60. And the man said, Doc, I'm already 60. He said, see, I told you. But all of these efforts in the world will not change the date of our earthly departure. It will not change it. Hear me out, please. This is important. In the archives of heaven, back before the creation of the world, <laughs> There is a document for each human being. And in that document, the date of our birth and the date of our death is written. And nothing will change that. Nothing will change it. Nothing will modify those dates. Listen to the words of Jesus again. Who of you, by being anxious, could add a single day to your lifespan. Now, I don't want to make the mistake that I often tell you not to make, and that is not to put the text back in its context. It's very important. And so, in the few verses before 27 that you already heard, and you probably have it open in front of you, Jesus talks about the source of anxiety the very source of worrying. Matthew 19 to 24, Jesus says, if money and the accumulation of worldly possession is your God, then you'll worry. You will worry. 
you will be anxious if the net, your net worth is your master. In fact, you will never have a worry-free day in your life if that's the case. The first thing you need to know, when you, if you are in this situation, I can tell you one thing for sure. Satan will eat your lunch every day, <laughs> and maybe your dinner as well. Hear me right. At this point, at this point, if you have made that to be your God, all the sermons in the world will not help you. Uh, all the preaching in the world will not relieve your anxieties. All of the books on the subject that you can read will not deliver you from that anxiety. All of the counseling in the world will not help your worry. Why? Because the God of mammon is a very merciless God, because that God is an enslaving God, because that God is an all-dominating God, because that God is an all-controlling God, because that God is an all-possessive God, because that God is a cruel slave master. That is why, please, 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 do not get me wrong. I don't want you to get me wrong. I beg you not to get me wrong. There is nothing wrong with money and possession. Did you get that? I can, you, you shout. I can hear you by faith. Did you get that? Nothing wrong with money and possession. Nothing wrong with money and wealth. I have some very dear friends, very special friends. So many of them are watching right now, <laughs> whom I know personally and know intimately. They literally live and work so that they can make money in order that may give that money to the work of the kingdom. As a friend of mine said, you cannot serve God or mammon, but you can serve God with mammon. <laughs> and therefore, the question is not the possessions. The question is, are your possessions possessing you? When that happens, you will never have a worry-free day. You will always live in worry and anxiety. So the question is, what is the antidote to worry? <laughs> We're hearing a lot about antibody, and uh, I'm actually tempted to go and let them test me, because I think I got plenty of that. <laughs> we hear about the antibody and the vaccine and all that stuff. There is a vaccine. There is an antidote to this, to worry. And I'm glad you want to know, because I want to tell you. Here's the antidote to worry. Are you ready to hear it? You ready to hear it? The cure for worry is using of one's possessions to serve the living God. Uh, the real worry-free life is only possible when the resources that God gave you, make no mistake about it, God gave you, are used for reaching the lost. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 24. Here's a use of translation. <laughs> if you are a slave to accumulation and stacking up of more and more and more, more stuff, <laughs> then you can be sure that slavery to worry is not a part-time hobby for you. <laughs> uh, slavery to worry 
is not a partially controlling of you. That slavery to worry will not have only a a temporary effect over you. No, no, no. Why? Because a slave is at his master's beck and call. A slave serves the master's will and whim. A slave is fully owned and controlled by his master. A slave is totally obligated to his master. A slave is totally obedient to his master. And Jesus said, you cannot be a slave to mammon and a servant of God at the same time. It's an impossibility. It's just an impossibility. If accumulation and more and more and more is your master, then worry is your lot in life. If materialism is your master, then you can be assured that anxiety is going to be your permanent companion. If all of your treasure is on this earth, not in heaven, then you can be assured that worry is going to be your bosom buddy. Jesus said, these are two masters, two, not third, just two. And he says, these are diametrically diametrically opposed, and they cannot coexist. Now, don't shoot the messenger. That's what Jesus said. (laughs) There is the one that commands us to walk by faith and fully trust him, and then there's the other who demands that we walk by sight of what we see. There is the one who calls us to acknowledge God and only God as the source. And then there is the other who pumps our pride and give, and, and, and give ourselves credit for all of God's blessings. There is the one who tells us, to set your mind on things that are above and things that are in heaven where Jesus is. And then there's the other who says, your earthly security, your net worth is all that matters. There is the one who calls us to see the things that are unseen by the rest of the world and the things that are eternal and then, then there's the other who wants us to focus all of our attention. In fact, forces us to focus our attention on what is seen and what's temporal. Who is my master? Who is my master? That's the question. Beloved, asking yourself the question, who is my master, is one of the most important questions that you can ask in life. Why? Because answering that question will determine the level of anxiety and worry in life. Verse 25, Matthew 6, Jesus said, For this reason I say to you, do not be anxious. You say, what reason? What is he talking about? What reason? The reason of knowing who your master is. Hear me right, please. When it comes to worry and anxiety, it makes no difference whether you are poor 
or rich. Did you get that? Let me repeat that. When it comes to worry and anxiety, it makes no difference whether a person is poor or rich. Why? Because your attitude toward material possessions, which is the accurate measurements of your spiritual condition. It's your attitude. It's, it's how you react to them. Listen, I have known ministers of the gospel, people ordained in the, to the ministry, and they are enslaved to money. Uh, uh, Listen, it has nothing to do with what you have or what you don't have. It has everything to do with what have you, what has you. I met, known some rich people, I promise you, who are, they're not believers. (laughs) Rich people who are not believers. I was sharing some years ago the gospel with somebody who's very wealthy, and he said, I can't become a Christian. I said, why? He said, because God is going to make me poor. Huh? I said, who do you think gave you riches? (laughs) Who do you think has given you your material possessions? Who do you think has given you life? Here's the problem. Here's the problem. When you think that you are self-made, Oh, we hear a lot about self-made man. <laughs> when you think you, you, you made it all yourself, then you're going to worry because you feel that's up to you to protect what you made. If you think that you're the one who did it, then you're going to have to worry about protecting it. In reality, God is the one who gave it to you. Now, whether you acknowledge it or not, I'll pray to God that after today you will acknowledge that, you'll realize that, and then you let it seep deep into your heart. God is also can take it away in a heartbeat. I've seen people literally lost millions overnight. It's like the man who had a large real estate holdings. And, and his pastor was saying, oh, bless God. He's, you know, God did it all, and God owns it all. And he took the pastor out. And he pointed out to this incredibly vast real estate. And he said, you mean to tell me that I don't own this? And the pastor said, I'll tell you what. Ask me that question 100 years from now, <laughs> and I'll answer you. That's it. Ask me 100 years from now. But when you know that God gave you everything, God gave you everything, and that you are using it for His glory, you'll be at peace. You'll be at peace. Why? Because just as God gave it to you, He will multiply it to you. He'll multiply it to you so that you can keep multiplying in the work of God. And He will multiply it to you so you can multiply it to the work of God. I have seen this too many times to doubt it with my own eyes many, many, many times. God is not looking for a puddle where the water comes in and stays there. He's looking for conduits. As I pointed out to you earlier, from Matthew chapter 6, he commanded in those few verses, commands three times, verse 25, 31, and 34. Remember the four reasons I gave you earlier as why worry is a sin? 
why worry is wrong. I don't want any of you to say, well, Michael made that stuff up. I don't. I'm not that clever. Uh, So I want to show you where I got this from the Scripture, (laughs) okay? I'm going to repeat those ones from the Scripture, all four of them. In verse 25 of Matthew 6, worrying is a distrusting of the intentions of God toward you. Did you get that? Verse 25. Secondly, verse 26 to 30, worrying is a disbelief in the sovereignty of God. Thirdly, in verses 31 to 33, worry is a distortion of the character of God. It's a distortion of the character of God. And finally, verse 34, fourthly, worry is a distrust in the promises of God. Now, I wish I had time to expound these, but unfortunately I can't. But feel free to take that outline. You can preach a message out of it. Peter Marshall a wonderful Scotsman who served here at church in Atlanta, Georgia, many years ago, and then went on to become the chaplain to the U.S. Senate. And Peter Marshall used to pray, Lord, save us from the sin of worrying, lest also be the badge of our lack of faith. And I'll say amen belongs here. Here's another problem about worry. Worry Worrying is like a baby. (laughs) How does a baby grow? By nursing the baby. Okay? Worry is the same way. It's going to get bigger and bigger if you keep on nursing it. Uh, In fact, worry comes from the German word meaning to strangle or to choke. And that's exactly what worry does. It's the kind of mental and emotional strangling. I am told by some physicians, friends of mine, people I trust completely, that they have had patients in their clinics who are in physical pain, and they run all the tests known from MRI and all the other tests. There's nothing wrong physically with them, but they're in pain. The Bible would diagnose this as worry (laughs) or strangling of your emotions. Listen to me. Just as the wind blows unless you stop it, just as the water flows unless you impede it, just as light will glow unless you buffet it, you and I, and yeah, including me, I'm not preaching at you, I'm, I'm preaching myself as well, you and I are going to worry unless we deal with it. Unless we deal with it. Now, I'm aware of the fact there are some people who try to tranquilize their worry. I know. There are others who are trying to deaden the feeling of worry and anxiety by chemical substance. Uh, I know other people try to escape from their worry. But the Bible said there's only one way to deal with worry. None of the other things will work. In fact, years ago, when I was ministering in Australia, one man said to me, he said, you know, the reason I drink a lot, and he did, <laughs> the reason I drink a lot is to drown my worry. And I thought a moment, 
of, of, of insight from God. And I said, you know that worry knows how to swim? <laughs> Here's something I hope you'll never forget. Worry is the opposite of contentment. Contentment is with Jesus calling all of His children to have. Why? Because God has peace in Himself, and He wants us to have it. Because God has tranquility surrounding His throne in heaven, and He wants us to have it. Because God has serenity filling the courts of heaven, and He wants us to have it. He wants you to have it. He wants me to have it. Listen to me. His peace cannot be fabricated. Oh, many tried. They cannot fabricate it. His peace cannot be duplicated. His peace cannot be falsified. His peace is above and beyond explanation. And someone may ask, well, Michael, is there a falsified, fabricated type of peace that is not the peace of God? Yes, absolutely. I hear about it all the time in the media. <laughs> but these are band-aids on tumor. Jesus is saying that the gods of the Gentiles, these are man-made gods. They are all inspired by Satan. And these are the gods of fear and worry and anxiety and dreaded, a dread and appeasement. These gods demand much, promise much, and deliver nothing. And many people fall in these false fabricated peace. How? By trying to grab all the pleasure that they could while they're able. And that is why their motto is, let's eat and drink, for tomorrow we shall die. Listen carefully. Here Jesus contrasts, especially for those who love Him and those who don't love Him. He's contrasting the two. And the contrast is between those who love Him and have the assurance of heaven those who seek first His kingdom and His righteousness first and foremost. Why? Because they know that all these things will be added to them. And I'm not talking about just in heaven, but even in this earth. So the question is, do you know what the number one cause for worry and anxiety? Losing what you have. It's the number one. Losing of what I'm talking about, health, wealth, whatever it is, even life, and going with that. That's the biggest anxiety-causing fact. So they naturally go for more and more and more, but the source of contentment is seeking the praise and the honor and the glory and the things of God. The secret of contentment is being generous in giving of yourself and sharing Christ with others. On the other hand, the cause of worry is misplaced priority. 
instead of being focused on Christ, it's focused on, oh, what's going on around me? What's the latest in the news? What's going to happen? How many people did this, and how many people went there, and how many? And I'm constantly, and I've seen it, even among God's people. The source of contentment is losing yourself in obedience to the Lord. The source of worry is focusing on how dangerous this world is. The secret of contentment is how I can share Christ with the lost. The cause of worry focuses on what I don't have and how do I get it. The secret of contentment focuses on bringing glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. I hear people all the time, I'm worried about how dangerous this world is. Well, I see the world is dangerous. But I want to challenge every believer to do some soul-searching. Wherever you are, wherever you are, start today. Do some soul-searching. Ask the question, am I anxious and worried? And if the answer is yes, then why am I worried? Someone asked me not long ago, I said, you know, when, when people my age, my generation say, I'm not worried about me, I'm worried about my grandchildren. I said, now you're worried about you. <laughs> I understand human nature. You're worried about you. We don't ask me, are you worried about your grandchildren? One bit, not one bit, not one moment. You think, after all that I've been through in my life, and I watched the hand of God guided me all the way, why should I doubt that His hand will guide them too. I don't just pray for God to protect my, ch- my grandchildren. Listen to me. <laughs> In my daily prayer for my own family, and I pray for many of you also, but I, I, in my daily prayer for my own family, I don't just pray for them to be protected. Oh, that too, but, but that's not really the focus of my prayer. My prayer is that they will grow up and be mighty men and women of God who are able to storm the stronghold of Satan. I don't want them just to survive. I want them to thrive regardless of the circumstance. I think part of the reason the devil tried to go after me in other areas, <laughs> and I know it, as each of you know as well, Every, everyone knows where See, Satan knows where the, 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 the hot buttons to push on in each of us are different. And I know when he goes after me in other areas, it's because he knows that in that area of life and death, I, I, I literally have no fear. And so I say to him, do your worst. What are you going to do? Kill me? Great. Now, I'm anxious to go to heaven. Not because my life is miserable or I'm really… I'm I'm having a great life. I'm telling you, I love serving, and I love my family, and I I have no reason for me, so I'm not morbid, or, oh, I want to go to heaven. No, but I will go to heaven because I want to go to heaven because I want to see Jesus, which I will eventually. So he, he knows that's an area he's wasting his time on, so he goes after other people. And, and, and work in that area. 
and move on to somebody else to cause them worry about life and death. Now, beloved, each of us, each of us must, during this time, and some see the blessing and some don't, <laughs> about what we're going through and the extra time that we have. One of the big frustrations I was sharing with my prayer partners earlier this morning, I said, but this is new to me because just this new to all of you is that I got my life, and I plan ahead, <laughs> and all my plans got thwarted. So God is teaching me to take it one day at a time. I know He's teaching you. Maybe not that lesson, but other lessons. But the one question you must ask, do I really live in worry and anxiety? And if I do, why? When my God promised, when all of the promises in the Word of God are for me. Will you do that? Let's do that together right now. Father, each of us deal with different areas just because we are different. <laughs> and even you deal with us differently. And you don't deal with two of us in the same way. And so I pray and I come against the spirit of worry and fear and anxiety. And I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ that they will experience victory like nothing before in this life. And that they will build their eternal future now. That these opportunities you've given us would not be wasted on watching, binging, television watching, on this and that and the other thing, but to spend it with you and in intimacy with you and the Word of God. Father, I pray for every person who's worried and anxious and that you give them the Holy Spirit right now to lift up their eyes from the conditions and what they're experiencing to look up to the great day that is coming when we're going to reign and rule with you. I thank you that the moment those of us who love you close our eyes in death, we're going to be with you. What a deal. So, Father, I pray that you might bless your servants, my brothers and sisters in Christ, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, team.